This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train, and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. This November here at Broadcast, we're focused on how to pace a church plant, and we recently had the opportunity to catch up with Anthony Henson. Over the last 30 years, Anthony Henson has been planting loads of churches. He's currently on his eighth church plant, and so we spoke to him about what it takes to pace yourself for a lifetime of church planting ministry, and we're bringing you that conversation today. Further on this topic, we've got our next hangout where Colin Barron will be talking more about the importance of pace in a church plant. And that will be on Thursday, the 10th of November at 7.30pm UK time. You can find all the notes on this episode at our website, www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 52. And if you go to www.thebroadcastnetwork.org, you can also get the details for joining that hangout with Colin Barron. So here is our conversation with Anthony Henson. Hi, Anthony. It's good to see you. I was just thinking, first time I ever met you, I was moving to Swanley, and you were an elder at Sidcup, and I was going to help Sidcup plant a church. And uh, so soon after that, you started planting a church yourself. So tell us a little bit about your church planting journey. I was uh, full-time at Sidcup for couple of years and the church needed more elders and I was given the responsibility to try and develop leaders through to eldership and in the process of doing that realized that if I did that properly I'd be giving away my role okay. at the same time there were a few people coming to the Sidcup church from Orpington and it got onto the elders agenda that we must think about planting a church into Orpington and um, to cut a long story short after a bit of prayer and discussion, Jill and I thought we'd have a have a go at it. Very good. Well, tell us a little bit, very quickly, about how that started. How many children, if you had any children at that time? Yeah, we had um, four uh, young children. Uh, that was 1990. We started, um, and they they've been involved in our church planting journey over the year, over the years, and. Um, we started with a very good team in Orpington of about 28 people, including children, which is quite a big church plant. Yeah. And um, we did some outreach and we built together a, f- a good foundation of, of grace and truth and worship and prayer, etc. And the church just began to grow. Very good. So quickly after that, where did you go to next? Well, in 1996, we planted out from Orpington into St Paul's Cray a very needy council estate. Then in 1997, we then uh, moved to Leicester, to church plant into Leicester with a view to planting out again to Derby and Loughborough. So tell us the, the kind of time frames of those in terms of how long we... We were in um, uh, Orpington for six and a half years, including the St Paul's Cray start. And then uh, when we moved to Leicester in 1997, we were there until 2003. The last few years of being there, we, we were able to get church plants going in Derby and Loughborough. 
Well, and then what did you do after that? Retire? Well, <laughs> after that, um, in the process of, of developing leaders for Derby and Loughborough, we felt God speak to us about actually developing a leader to take over from, from us, for us, uh, in, in Leicester. And so we had a chat with someone who uh, we were responsible to at that time, and as to, well, where would be useful for us to church plant again? We were sensing that God was moving us on. And the idea of planting into Stoke-on-Trent came up. Dear, that was a, a bit of a journey. Well, it was a challenge because um, all of the church leaders in Stoke-on-Trent, I met them all at a fraternal, they said that no church has been pl planted in Stoke-on-Trent since the Second World War and survived and got to 40 in less than five years. So that was a challenge. Big challenge. <laughs> so... How long were you there and how did it go? We were there for uh, four and a half years. The church did grow beyond that number that I referred to. And the church grew um, mainly through outreach, actually. Um, different social initiatives that we had in terms of reaching out to the communities of Stoke-on-Trent. So we were there for four and a half years. Had a young team and almost from the word go, I began to develop a young team and seeing how far we could take it. And by the end of it, we realised they could take it forward. Very good. So do you move on from there? We moved on from there. Where to? <laughs> in 2008, we moved on to Lincoln, a very different area to um, Stoke-on-Trent. And having landed in Lincoln, almost immediately, God really surprised me by saying, you won't be here long. And we were there for about th uh, three and a half years before the same process of developing a team, a new leader who would eventually take that forward. And so where did you move to next? Well, in uh, just over four and, a, four and a half years ago, we then moved to um, Wolverhampton. Um, uh, New Frontiers had tried to plant into Wolverhampton a couple of times before and it hadn't quite worked. And so, again, for us, it's not been a case of, you know, some sort of sign from heaven. We just felt peaceful about um, going to Wolverhampton, the challenge of it. And so we went for it in, um, we moved here to, in 2011-12. And I'm sitting now in your uh, dining room. You are, yes you are. <laughs> so, from when first meeting you, <coughs> how old were you then when you started in... Uh... I think I think then I, it was 31 years, it was about 30 years ago, so I was 30 then, I'm now 60. And how many church plants have you just described? Eight. Eight. The theme this month is all about pace and uh, how um, the Bible talks about pace from the very beginning, actually giving us Sabbaths and festivals and, um, and uh, really trying to help the people of God um, pace themselves. And we've looked in the New Testament as well. But for yourself, just how have you survived? How have you got some rhythm, some pace? What things have gone good and you know what things have you learned i think um enjoying um our marriage has been very important obviously for jill and myself also in, in involving the children in everything that we've s sought to do and i think building upon a grace foundation so not striving too much to try and force things but trying to go at the pace that god gives to us for Jill and I, probably the priority is to make sure that we have our, our, our day off, um, you know, two or three evenings off um, a week, and we plan our holidays a year in advance. So we're pretty hot on that. 
Very good. There'll be some church planters listening to this to think two or three evenings. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you manage that? Well, if you, I mean, if you go to your dentist or your doctor, you don't expect to see the dentist or the doctor in the evening. And I think sometimes we can almost expect to crowd everything into an evening, whereas people can, with flexi time and different working mechanisms, they can meet up during the day, lunchtime. So we, we try to be careful with the use of our time and use the daytime more wisely and give more time free in the evenings. Okay, there'll be a number of the people on your church plants who won't have the privilege of being paid uh, in terms of the church paying them. They'll uh, be uh, demanding jobs or um, uh, careers. Um, Saturdays, I guess, would be quite precious for them. In terms of being a church planter and using the Saturdays and even thinking about other people in your church plant teams, does, do you back to that in at all? We would um, try and keep most of what we do quite short. And also in terms of Saturdays, we've only ever used one Saturday morning a month for an outreach. So most of the Saturdays in terms of the church are completely free, maybe the odd social. But Saturdays is a very, very light day in our schedule. Okay, so that's you found that helpful not only for yourself, yeah. but actually yeah. for the year of um, holidays, um, you say you plan a year in advance. Yes. Just give us a little bit of an idea of um, how you're well, thinking about that. Well, we normally plan a summer holiday. Um, so with the, when the children were at home, it would be August now. They've grown up. We go away for a couple of weeks in September. We normally plan something in, in late May for a week um, somewhere. Um, and a few days here and there during the, during the, the year. Uh, Joe and I, we sort of make it, you know, as a church planter, you've got to have faith for church planting. But you've also got to have faith for your own personal life. And so we've, we've really prayed and sought God to give us money for good breaks and a decent holiday. Very good. Now, it sounds like your life has been well-paced, everything's done well, I was, uh, I would love your wife Jill to be here. I could ask her the same question. Um, they have slightly different answers. I'm sure there's been some stress times in it. Just can you explain sometimes what causes some stress, how you cope with that, and etc. Just I think um, the for, I think everyone has their own sort of obviously obviously personal makeup. And I know that if, if I hear some bad news, perhaps someone's that you hope would you know, really make it, has left or something, that can really hit a leader. Um, and we can take it the wrong way. So for me, I know that it takes probably two or three days to process um, disappointment. Okay. So I allow myself two or three days of not being too self-demanding and really try and work that one through. It takes me that long. I can't just solve things within half an hour. It takes two or three days for me just to process it. And during that time, I, I won't tend to react in terms of that problem. I give myself some space. Um, and then after two or three days, I feel that I'm probably in a good place to then get back on track. That's, a, that's an excellent bit of advice for people because I know uh, I've met a number of people who actually have been on the receiving end of leaders who mm. have heard news that... Mm. Um, They've personally taken as criticism or mm -hmm. a, a disappointment, and I actually fed that back. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
So uh, I think one of the things that's really helped me personally is I've, I've developed a hobby. I like to um, uh, oil painting. Okay. So throughout the house, there's my oil paintings. And oil painting takes probably a, a good day to just get the, you know, the basics there. And that slows everything down. Even, I mean, probably one of the greatest leaders um, in terms of the UK, Winston Churchill, he, he, painting was important. And I think having a, a hobby that can take up some time that is more reflective and a different discipline is very useful. That's very good. Again, I've uh, noticed uh, certain leaders just so totally absorbed mm. with with uh, with what they're doing and, and get very driven. So. Yeah, I don't know, I don't think I could do that because I get quite bored easily. Right. So I've got to have a variety in my life to really be creative in different aspects of my life. Okay. No, very good. And um, just in terms of um, advice we, to some church planters, some young couples started out in their twenties, early early thirties. Just in terms of the whole thing of pace, you know, what what are some of the keys you would say uh, to to a young person, young single young couple who wanted to do that? I think. Um, You've only got one life, so it's very important to make the most of it and to enjoy what you do. I think as a leader, if, I've, if, if Jill and I are enjoying what we do, other people enjoy being with us. And so we try to limit ourselves to a large extent to lots of things that we enjoy. So aspects of outreach or prayer... We tend to do these things in ways that we ourselves enjoy and then we can pass on to other people um, our enjoyment of God, our enjoyment of, um, of outreach. Um, so we're doing healing on the streets at the moment and um, we're doing it because, basically because I really enjoy that kind of opportunity to dialogue with people. That's really fascinating comment because uh, there'll be some people who think that's a bit self-indulgent. But... Yeah, I, I mean that's poss possibly true. Um, I think if you want to, um, uh, if you, if you want to be in, in it for the long term, then I think that um, uh, you've got to have a lifestyle that really works for you. If you are able to really lead and serve other people, and I think if you give too much of who you are away without anything left, you probably won't last too long. I think that's brilliant advice. Well, so many years ago when I was planting into Swanley, <laughs> I had a sick up and you went and planted into well, you Orphington. Were, you were a great help, actually. I remember coming to talk to you in Swanley and um, Swanley was very helpful for me in talking to you because Swanley was quite a, a tough situation and with our first church plant was quite tough as well. And so it was great having someone to run with. Yeah, I also know that you got a lot more people than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey ho, yeah, yeah. that's part of yeah. the journey. But it's great. Thank you very much, Anthony. Pleasure. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Just a reminder, you can get the full notes on this episode at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 52. And we do hope you join us on November the 10th for our hangout with Colin Barron.